Uh, today, I am located in Los Angeles, California. Yeah, uh, my name is Andrew Searles, uh, born in uh, Montreal, Canada. Lived there for pretty much uh, up until the my mid, early to mid 30s before uh, deciding to further my career by uh, moving to Los Angeles. Um, yeah, so I have a two comedy albums. My first, my debut album uh, is uh, called Papa Chocolat. Um, that's uh, that just kind of entailed my life up until before I left for Los Angeles. Um, people can get to it on my website, uh, andrewsearls.com. And, and also on my website, you could also get uh, my second album called Worth It, which is uh, available as well. You know what? It's it's funny how I didn't realize uh, how good of a childhood I had until I moved to Los Angeles. Like moving to LA is, is really tough uh, mentally and financially, and then you start reminiscing of like much simpler times, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember uh, when riding my bicycle was oh <laughs> what was amazing and like you know going to like getting on your bikes and like going to the, like the video super schwa and uh video trying to rent the the video games you know and like you're just oh yeah that was that was a nice that was a nice childhood um growing up yeah growing up here probably was great i mean like but my my childhood in terms of uh the people i grew up with was extremely multicultural like my, i remember my kindergarten class was you know there's Blacks, Asians, uh, Jewish. Uh, one uh, one person was Inuit. One person was Pakistani. One person, you know, so it was like very diverse, very multicultural, which kind of reflect the neighborhood that I lived in as well. Um, you know, uh, my my neighborhood wasn't predominantly one uh, ethnicity. It was very multicultural. So that's uh, I think I think it's one of the, the great things about living in Montreal. It's a nice uh, nice melting pot. Oh yeah, always, always. I was uh, born and bred a uh, West Islander. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. The West Island is definitely Montreal is is very different than the rest of Quebec, and I would say the West Island is very different than Montreal. Um, but yeah, the the good old West Island. I'm I'm one of the few West Islanders that actually leaves the West Island that knows. Uh, with uh, was a Kevin Gazier has a joke about uh, you know, uh, West Islanders don't leave. Uh, don't don't go east past the thirteen. <laughs> so I'm I'm one of the ones that's like, yeah, oh yeah, La Salle, yeah, I know where La Salle is. And everyone's like, you know where La Salle is? I'm like, yeah, it's, bro, just follow the twenty. That's where it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of bilingual here and there. <laughs> I'm I'm as bilingual as a as a West Islander. Living in Quebec, where it's like bonjour, comment ça va, <laughs> and then the, you know the francophones are like, yes, yes, we we, we get it. Please stop. <laughs> uh, high school was some aspects are positive. I wouldn't say it was negative, but I would say it's very, um, uh, it's kind of like high school to me was kind of like the DC universe. 
where in terms of yeah i've i've experienced it and i moved on <laughs> like nothing nothing to write about like it's kind of like yeah i saw it it's good um the, the, the aspects I like about high school, I like I like everything outside of high school, like in terms of uh, uh, growing up and, and having uh, the the Disney afternoon, you know, coming home watching Gargoyles and you know uh, and uh, Darkwing Duck, and you know, going uh, again, coming back to like the video games and like having that kind of freedom, and um, I kind of miss that aspect of high school, not school itself, but that era when I grew up, because uh, it was the '90s and the '90s was just oh. What a time. Uh, I miss it. <laughs> um, the the two things I did like about high school were uh, I was in the high school play in grade 11. Uh, we did West Side Story. And I was also on, um, I was in taking drama classes in grade 8 and as well as grade 11. And then I joined the, the, high, the high school improv team. And it was definitely those, those improv classes that kind of uh, tapped my foot in the waters of, of stand-up in terms of performing and telling jokes in class and now it was like hey instead of telling jokes in class this is the class to tell jokes not math class not not geography <laughs> drama class this is where you do it so um yeah that that that's where i kind of started testing the wires of my oh okay i kind of like performing and, and, and telling jokes in front of people i remember watching mad tv mad tv was definitely a huge influence because that's where you had a cast of uh, six or seven actors who were doing a lot of impersonations of celebrities. A few of the classmates were watching um, Mad TV, and it was kind of like we would come, we would kind of come back and like talk about what sketches we saw. And I think that's where I kind of started playing around with impersonations. And you know, I think that kind of that's what kind of launched my career in, in a quote unquote fashion of like going in drama class and doing impressions of celebrities. That I saw on Mad TV the night before, um, that was that was great. Um, and, and in terms of stand up, I, I grew up watching um, Just for Laughs on CBC. Um, Comics was another show as well on another CBC show, Comedy Now. Um, I remember watching like Russell Peters. Oof! Before anyone even knew who Russell was, like he was a very unknown. Uh, up and coming comic in Canada, and I watched him at like ninety six, ninety seven when he was on comics, I think. Um, so it was cool. It was kind of cool to see uh, to see these guys uh, before before I started comedy. I I when I watched Just for Laughs, I thought, oh, I got tell jokes for six minutes. Oh, that's hard. I can that I can never do that. And and I and I decided then and there, I was like, I, I can never do stand up. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, six minutes. That's too short. Like that's. That's two jokes, and and I gotta get off stage. So it's it's funny how that's kind of uh, flipped on itself. <laughs> when I was doing impersonations from watching Mad TV, um, I would do them in class, and um, this guy named Marius, <laughs> he would always like go up to these teachers and be like, like before the class would even start, he'd be like, guys, 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 guys. You gotta watch Andrew's impersonations. You gotta watch them, you know. And I, I was doing impersonations of, uh, uh, let's see, Schwarzenegger, Cosby, you know, pre-allegations Cosby, uh, <laughs> uh, Schwarzenegger, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, um, Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, you know. So I was doing a lot of those things. So I was performing, but that that kind of was like the precursor to stand up. Where once high school was done. 
I started John Abbott College and they would do stand-up shows during the day for students. I'd kind of started writing some stuff, but like I wasn't, it was like my first attempt doing stand-up. But um, uh, once I, once I got on stage for that show, like I did like two or three jokes and you know, it was, it was kind of obvious. It's like, yeah, this is your first time doing stand-up. But once I did the impersonations, that's, uh, that's what really kind of took off for me. And, uh, and then over time, I just kind of doing less impersonations, more stand-up, more writing. And then eventually I just did full stand-up as of like 2005, so two years after. Uh, yeah, I, I had written some stuff um, in that summer or like a month before, a month of. Uh, just some ideas. Um, like very... <laughs> When I think back, I'm just like, yeah, it was it was stuff that like, you know, that that any person would be like, yeah, this is your first time, right? Like, this is your this is your first, you know, very very adolescent, but it's obviously first time doing stand up, you know. So, um, yeah, I had kind of I did two or three bits, and then then I launched into the impersonations. Over time, what well, what happened was, I would do a mix of both, so I would do like some written stuff and then impersonations but i i realized there was a certain point where i realized that like i would try new stuff and i was like you know like even to this day like i've been doing comedy almost 21 years now and i still get butterflies working on new material because you don't know what's gonna happen you know and i think i remember being on the bus going downtown to a show and, you know, sometimes you look at your material like, oh, I'll do this, 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 you know, and then you're like, ah, is it funny? I don't know if it's funny. Ah, you know, it's screwed. I'll just do impersonations. And I think I got into a point where I was like, you know, what? if I just always going to rely on impersonations, it's like you're not going to advance. You know, it always feels like a, it's like a safety net where in terms of like, ah, well, if this bombs, I'll just do this thing. And it's like, no, like if you want to if you really want to pursue this, you can't have that safety net anymore. I don't remember particularly which show it was, but I remember that moment where I was like, okay. And then I think from that point on, I kind of pulled the plug on, on impersonations. and just mostly focused on standup. Uh, you assumed incorrectly, actually, I was studying a, uh, computer science at the time. Um, I was, I wanted to go do theater, uh, but my parents, like, you know, like, like most ethnic parents, you know, they're always like, you know, do what you want to do in life, but get, get that, get that degree first, you know, like, so, and my dad had brought up a good point where it's like, you know, you get a degree in theater that you can't walk into an audition and be like, I have a degree in theater, get me this role. Like, they're just going to be like, well, can you play the role or not? No. Okay. Well, that degree doesn't do much for you. So, um, so they had persuaded me um against my judgment or against my um you know against my objection but again you look back you're like yeah well, they had a good point um so at the time it was 20 2001 2002 so um computers were were starting to really be widely accessible the internet the, the internet that we know of was pretty much you know coming was was coming to existence around that time um, so at the time I was like, you know, let me get into computers cause everyone's going to get into this whole computer thing. Like I'm, I'm totally down for this. I'm on my computer all the time. So what I didn't know with computer science was you're actually being given, you actually have to make the program from scratch. So you're making it from coding. 
So, you know, we had to learn like C++ and Java and, and Visual Basic. And I like Visual Basic the most, but like C++, oh my gosh, like you write so many pages of code and it's like, oh, you used a comma instead of a period, you use a colon instead of a semicolon, so your program's not going to work. And you're like, oh, I'm... So <laughs> I did I did two years of that, and then I switched into uh, business administration. Um, did that for three years, uh, and then I and then once that was done, I was uh, finishing college, and I was like, uh, "Am I ready to do comedy and acting full time?" And I didn't think I was anywhere close to it, so I figured, you know, let me just kind of continue this business degree. So once I had my business administration degree, I went to Concordia, Concordia University in their John Molson School of Business program. And um, yeah, majored in marketing, did that for four years, got a degree, and then, you know, went back to my parents to be like, hey, you know that degree you talked about? I got it. I want to do what I want now. And they're like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so yeah, so since then, uh, since 2011, it's been uh, pretty much full-time uh, comedy and acting. Um, no, um, over, I, 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 their, their, their perspective has changed because, you know, like my mom, she'd always, years ago, she used to be like, you know, wait, when are you going to get that job? When are you going to, you know, do Jamaican lady, when are you, when are you going to get that job? You know, and now it's like, when do you become famous? I want a black Mercedes. I was like, what? <laughs> so. I, I think, you know, it's one of the things I've, I've changed their mind, but I've changed their mind because of, of what I've accomplished in the last 20 years in terms of like uh, doing shows and uh, touring across Canada and, you know, with an, to now a second album out now and being on, you know, um, being on different news outlets, um, not just Montreal, but across Canada, you know, it's kind of like, okay, like he's obviously doing something right. So they're like, all right, well. But now, now to this day, there's still, you know, my mom, you know, he's like, you know, and you know, every day I pray one day, oh Lord, I hope you get it. I hope you, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a supporter. <laughs> I, I tell comics in Montreal and some listen, some don't, but I, I tell Montreal is probably one of the best places you could do comedy. Um, there's a, there's enough, especially now there's a lot of shows now around this, around the city, uh, and almost every show you do, you know, whether it's a mic or, or, or a show, like there's an audience, you know, so the audience is there. Unlike, you know, LA or Toronto, where you might be performing the people, you might be performing the mostly comics, but at least in Montreal, like you're always performing to an audience, you know, um, the scene is great. Uh, it's very receptive. You know, I feel like, you know, you could really hammer home a lot of comedic material very quickly because, again, there's an audience. So you, when you try a new bit, you like, you're going to know, this is half potential. This is not half potential, you know, versus LA or Toronto. From what I've heard, it's like you perform for nobody. So it's like, you got to do that bit a couple of times before you really know, does it work? Does it not work? Um, but yeah, I'd say Montreal's a it's a it's a great scene to to really start off, and you know if you're if you're I would say if you're connected, it's uh, it's a good place to stay and you know get the those opportunities. But if you're if you're not as connected or you're not friends with certain people, you hit a glass ceiling like I did, and then uh, eventually you realize I either stay and accept this is as far as I'm going to go, or you got to leave. 
and um, some comics leave like I have and some comics have stayed so the French comedy scene it is extremely lucrative it is extremely supportive um the one thing I've noticed with the French scene is that because it's Quebec entertainment scene and that Quebec entertainment scene only exists in Quebec so they're very like we're gonna support our own so you know if you're if you're a French artist you know they're gonna be like we're gonna come out and we're gonna support you 110 percent um, that's one of the things I envy about the French side because you know if you're funny you're funny you know and and if you're if you're a funny comic they'll they'll be like yeah you're you're funny of course we're gonna put you in just barrier of course we're gonna send you all around Quebec and you know and get you on all these shows versus the English side where it's like yeah you're funny yeah but there's a lot more of you across it, it, across Canada in Toronto in the states around the world so it's like you got to compete against all of that. Um, versus Quebec, where they only have to really compete against themselves, so they're very supportive of themselves. But yeah, I, I wish my French was better, so I could so I could uh, jump to the French side and you know it kind of expanded my uh, my market. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll answer it. <laughs> I, I will say this from my experience. I have auditions many times for for just for laughs. Um, from I I can't see uh, maybe from two thousand six two thousand seven ish until twenty twelve I think about. Um, what could I say? Uh, I'll say this. Yeah, so I've auditioned for those for those times. Um, I've always felt going in that I was never actually considered, even though I'm auditioning, I always felt that regardless of how I did, I was never going to get in based on who they went with. So it always felt like the decision was already made. The audition is just a formality. We already know who we're going to go with. Doesn't matter how well you do. We already know who we're going to go with. That's not just my consensus. That is a lot. That is the consensus of a lot of comedians in Montreal who I have worked with over the years. That being said, I I grew frustrated of it because it's like, what's the point of of you know working hard and busting your ass to get that tight seven minutes if you're not gonna be even considered in the first place? You know, it's kind of like you're just you're doing this for nothing. So. I mean, I haven't auditioned since 2012, 2013. And to me, I feel so relieved. I'm glad I don't anymore because it's like, why am I going to bust my brain for, for a month or two trying to get that tight seven if the dips are not even going to look at me at all? So um, I'm happy that, that that I don't audition anymore. Um, you know, and uh, my thoughts on GFL are, I've been pretty low for the last couple of years. And, and you know, I mean... It, Rightfully so, because I mean, like, apparently, you know, uh, putting on your own headlining shows uh, means nothing. Uh, putting on your own uh, all-black Canadian comedy tour means nothing. Traveling across Canada means nothing. Uh, doing shows in the States means nothing. Putting out two albums, the first album garnering three-quarters of a million streams online, that means nothing. 
So it's like, no matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough for JFL, but some dude who does uh, bar shows, you know, once uh, once uh, a month or three times a year gets gets an audition and 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 could possibly book it. But yet I get looked at like, mm, have you thought about working harder, Andrew? Have you thought about? And I'm like, that's why I'm like, no, I'm I'm done. So. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, I might call you tomorrow and be like, you know, add another thing. <laughs> oh, Lord, no. Oh, my gosh. The the paperwork. Oh, dude. The paperwork. To, to even... The amount of work you have to have just to apply for the visa is 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 astronomical i mean fortunately enough and i told comics this where i'm like if you even think of if you even want to think about working in the states start gathering your stuff now because it like if you don't do it now it's going to take you forever to do it and fortunately enough i was smart enough when i uh not when i started but i guess you could say once i once i had my own computer uh, or you know, I like even when I was using the family computer, I was I was doing it because I would have everything in folders. So I had uh, pictures of me on stage, pictures of of posters, pic, uh, uh, clippings of articles, um, uh, pretty much every type of media that you have that that shows that you are a comic. Uh, I I had saved over the years, so for me it was a lot easier because when it came to coming to my lawyer and it's like, all right, well, send me all your 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 articles or your publications you know there was no spending three months looking for it it was already my folder it was copy paste done next one you know even having everything it still took a while so basically for a visa you have to prove to uh u.s immigration that you are without a shadow of a doubt a stand-up comedian or an actor or an artist so you gotta you gotta break everything. So for me, again, it was like every comedy poster, every every picture of me on stage, every uh, news clipping, uh, YouTube clips of of interviews, um, uh, you know, uh, everything, everything, and um, uh, put all that, organize it. You have to get letters of recommendation from people you've worked with, whether it's festivals or or comedy bookers. You have to have a deal memo. So you have to have people in the States that are going to say, if we, if Andrew gets his, if Andrew's here, these are the shows we're going to book Andrew on. Um, and, and then, uh, oh my gosh, there's so much more stuff. And then on top of that, you have to have $5,000 to, to throw to your lawyer. Cause, and most of that's, I mean, like a good portion of that's going to your lawyer, but also a portion that's also going to like filing for immigration fees and the filing fee and the processing fee and this and that and then you know you sit on your hands for for x amount of months and hoping to get it you know it's uh, it's a lot of work it is it is it's a lot of work and then and then you apply for a green card and that's even 10 it's 20 times the amount of work because it just it's the letters you have to get like you know like having these letters signed by these people and you got to hunt people down to be like hey just sign this letter like the letters, you know, you have to the letters written up because immigration wants the letter written a certain way. So when they read it, they know exactly what it is they're looking for. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it is not easy. Versus Americans who come to Canada, they literally show up at the border like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be in 
town for like a week come and do perform at absolute comedy you're like yeah okay come on in but for us to go there like the second you mention work visa is visa better be the next word you're saying because otherwise you're gonna be hauled into room three and you're gonna be given the whole nine yards of that uh, that cavity search <laughs> you know like i knew one girl um uh, she's a Western uh, a comic out in Western Canada. She was going to uh, to LA to do some open mics at the at some comedy club, and they were like, "No." She's like, "No, no, I'm not getting paid." They're like, "No, no." Even though you're not getting paid, the club is still making money off of your performance, which is still technically work. So they're like, "You're not coming in." <laughs> and I knew another comic who was trying to get into the States to do some shows. And they were like, oh, what do you do? Like, oh, you know, I'm a comic. You know, I'm just going to go on vacation. And they were like, they talked to them. And then they're like, they flipped that, that the, the the computer screen over. They're like, so why are you on this website performing at this club? And they were like, you, they're like we're going to cut a deal. You turn around and we never, and you don't cross over and we won't ban you for five years. And he had to turn around and that was it because... You know, like like anything else, you know, people people have an idea of I'm coming here, so it's my right to come here, and it's like no, it's not, it it's not. <laughs> and uh, whether it, whether it's the the border or or any other thing, you know, like yeah, I mean, like like if you invited me over to your house, you know, if I, if I was going to your house to hang out, you know, like I still got to be respectful as I'm crossing the door because you could just say no, it's my house, my rules, you know, so. It's the same with immigration. People have this idea of, well, but I'm on vacation, but I'm this citizen, I'm that citizen. It's like, who gives a crap? Like, you're coming here, and if we don't like the story you're giving us, you we're not gonna we're not gonna allow you in. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta play by the rules. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I have. Um, uh, I, I'm currently on a visa uh, now, and I'll be uh. uh reapplying for or applying for the green card uh very shortly so fingers crossed <laughs> uh i would say it's um i have like a, a word document so i just kind of like write all my material there my material comes a lot from personal experiences. So it's a lot of like me going into the world and experiencing certain things or I see certain things. So if nothing has happened to me, it's I can't draw. I can't write new material because nothing's happened. So which is why during lockdown, I didn't really do any writing because my material, which is primarily focused on my experiences, I was having no experiences. So. My writing uh, for two years is kind of very, very, very slow. I mean, I had a few jokes in terms of like things that happened during lockdown, but nothing major. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like I think like most comics, you know, procrastination, it gets the best of us sometimes. And, you know, you do most of your writing the day of an open mic where you're like, oh, I have a show in, in eight hours. I got to I got to <laughs> I got to start writing. <laughs> Which sometimes, you know, it works, you know, like uh, grace under pressure, you know. But uh, uh, I, I do write a lot. It's just finding enough time to get out, get out on stage and test it, you know. And, you know, uh, 
does it work? Does it not work? You try it this way, try it that way. And, you know, some stuff you just kind of go, okay, I'm going to bury it and I'll come back to it later. Some stuff you're like, no, they don't like it. And I don't think they eventually will ever like it. So let me, uh, let me bury that for a while. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I treat open mics. Um, I, I, I don't consider myself an open micer. Like I think those days are well behind me, but I treat open mics as, you know, like any other working comic where it's like, it's a place to try new material, you know, kind of polish it up, you know, make sure it's good. Make sure, you know, like, okay, that thing's a little bit weak. Let me strengthen, you know, the opening, let me strengthen the, the end. And then, uh, from there then I just take it to the, uh, to the paid shows, you know? Um, LA is a bit weird because I feel like LA, LA, LA kind of treats, I, in my, in my personal experiences, it, it's kind of like, oh, if you're not on late night or if you're not at the improv, we're just going to treat you like an open micer. And it's like, nah, you're not, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you're not going to do that to me. <laughs> like, um, like I'll, I'll hit up a couple shows in LA and I'm like, Hey, my name is Andrew Searles. I've been in comedy X amount of years. These are my credits. They, this, is my, this is my website. This is where you get the more information about me. <clears throat> and I'll send that to them. And, you know, some some bookers, you know, what I'll call the legit bookers are the ones that will look at that stuff and go, oh, okay, this guy is a comic. We could see that from his website. We could see that from his credits. He's a comic. Book him on a show. Then you get situations when, <laughs> when I had yesterday, uh, and it's happened a couple of times where they'll look at that stuff. They, they didn't even look at it. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, well, we usually book comics from our open mic. I was like, you could go off yourself. Like, no. Like, <laughs> like you're not going to treat me like an open micer, you know? Like, you're, you're like, you know, like, again, 21 years, you know? Like, I want to, if I don't treat myself like a professional, no one else is going to treat me like a professional. So, one of the things I, I I have to hold to myself. So if I send something to somebody and they're gonna look at me like, no, you're in a, come to our open mic and then we'll decide. And I'm like, you know what? That that I've already decided that I'm not gonna do your open mic. So, um, you know, and I try to I try to hold that to myself. So worth it is my second album, but that was from my second album for my third hour of, of comedy. So right now I'm working on my fourth hour. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I'm working on now. Just trying to build that fourth hour. Um, I have a, I have a good, probably like good 15 minutes so far, but you know, you're always trying to expand to like, okay, uh, 15, I have 20 now, 25, 30, 45 hours. So, cause you know, you, once you have your hour, then you want to go, okay, well, what's tight. Okay. Well, you know, 50 minutes is, is tight. So, okay, well then 50 minutes is what's going to go on the album. Um, uh, so yeah, so that's going to be spending the next while on, um, in terms of shows, I don't have any, anything major coming up, but you know, like anything in entertainment, you know, one week you're, you have nothing the next week you're busy. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's going to be, be spending the next two years on next two or three years, just kind of hammering out that fourth hour and see what, see what comes of it, you know? First and foremost, I mean, like, I moved to L.A. because of acting. Because all the major acting decisions are made here. Uh, you know, a lot of things are shot in Montreal, which is nice. But, you know, all the major roles are cast in L.A. And, you know, and all the day players, like, you know, like, 
actors like myself where it's like you're brought in for one day or two days and you're given you know one scene two scenes maybe three lines four lines and then you're like all right cool you're done and the next day you're nobody you know versus you know going to LA and you know you audition you never know what you're auditioning for if you book something you never know what that might do for you because it's like it's gonna open up more doors because it's LA um yeah and I just wanted something more I, I, I felt like I hit that glass ceiling in um uh, in Montreal in terms of, in terms of comedy and acting um so yeah uh yeah acting is the reason why I came to LA just because I just wanted something more 